Hey there! Are you a crime scene investigator, law enforcement officer, or forensic scientist looking for a Facebook community that understands you? Check out Taction USA's forensic product groups. You'll find blogs, articles, information, and community. For those of us in the investigative field, there are not many lines of support out there, but Taction USA is a company that was founded by law enforcement for law enforcement. Subscribe today to get access to exclusive content. Just look for Taction USA in Facebook groups. favorite true crime podcast my favorite mine too as always we're your hosts hillary and brendan and we are going to bring you somewhat of a continuation of last week's episode yes or last times um a bit more detail this time an actual case that i think you'll find interesting and, and upsetting and upsetting <laughs> all at the same time and that's what we do here yeah a little bit <laughs> So, as always, sign the crime scene log and join us for our latest episode. Now, last time we were gathered here, we told you a bit about body snatching and why it became big business through the United States in the 17 and 1800s, and even into the early 1900s. Plus, how good old-fashioned American ingenuity allowed us to traverse the nation by railroad and send whiskey-soaked stolen bodies to every corner of this great nation Mm -hmm. for medical reasons. Right. And we left you with the story of Grandison Harris, who kept the Medical College of Georgia well-stocked with bodies by scavenging poor and black cemeteries. These cemeteries were easy targets and less likely to result in investigation due to racial and social biases of the time. So now let's talk about a few fellas on the other side of the world who had a similar idea mm-hmm. <clears throat> until they tried to expand their business a bit. Right. And everything kind of, the wheels came off. It all went pear-shaped, as they say. <laughs> now, around the turn of the 19th century, a pair of Williams left Ireland and moved to Edinburgh, Scotland, chasing jobs on the Union Canal. William Burke arrived there in 1818 and quickly got his mitts on a mistress and forgot all about his wife and kids back on the Emerald Isle. Hmm. How nice. Nope. Around 1820, <laughs> that won't do. <laughs> No. Around 1826, William Hare was living in Edinburgh and got close to his landlord, Margaret Laird, once she became a widower. She would soon become known as Margaret Hare, although the pair may not have ever actually married. She was considered his wife. Mm -hmm. Margaret ran a boarding house, and Hare took over the late husband's part of the business. In 1827, just down the street from Hare, Helen McDougall the mistress, and William Burke moved in. Burke and Hare eventually met and bonded over their Irishness and such. They were fast friends, and they enjoyed a bit of hard drinking alongside their significant others. And boy, did they. Yeah. In late November of 1827, tragedy struck and opportunity knocked when one of Hare's tenants, a gentleman named Old Donald, affectionately... Mm-hmm. I don't think his name was Old Donald. I don't think so. But, that, but that's he was all old and he too. was a Donald. Yeah. So. Uh, he passed away. His death was of natural causes, dropsy to be precise, but he still owed four pounds rent money. 
Old Donald had an army pension, but that wasn't set to pay out again until the end of the quarter, and without Old Donald around to collect his money, Hare felt a bit cheated. So being late on your rent is one thing, but being late on your rent because you're late is just unacceptable. That, see, that right there. That was the beginning of the end. But they went, the dead guy owes us $4. Yeah. Well, it's more Four than $4. Pounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, in 1827 money. Yeah. Four pounds mm-hmm. is a lot more than that. But still, if that's your reasoning, like, well, the dead guy owes me money. Well, you didn't die on purpose. Now, when I first started reading about this, I expected a little bit of a Mrs. Doubtfire situation. <laughs> when, like, well, old Donald, you know, the pension, yeah. his army pension's not going to pay out unless he goes to collect. Right. I was expecting someone, someone to put to dress on up. a beard and a wig and right. dress up like an old man. To go pick up his it money. It goes much further. But no, that would have been too easy. Yeah, that would have been semi-okay. <laughs> it would have been fraud, which is much, much less, less than yeah. what else we end up with. So angry because he would never be paid, Hare developed a plan along with Burke. The local church had purchased a coffin for Donald and had it delivered to Hare's boarding house. And Donald was placed inside, and representatives from the church would soon come by to collect the coffin for a proper burial service. A little backstory here. Back in 1823, a change to the Scottish death penalty resulted in far less crimes being punished by death. And also at the time, the only bodies that were available to medical schools were those of condemned criminals. Mm -hmm. So that supply drastically shrank when that new death penalty standard kind of eased things up for the criminals. Right. And grave robbing, therefore, was on the rise in Scotland, with some handsome fees being paid by universities in exchange for cadavers. Similar to what we saw in the U.S. That yeah. If someone's sentenced to death, they can become a scientific dissection. Right. But otherwise, there's no, no legal way to get a body. But they got them. Burke and Hare knew of this underground trade, They'd at least heard of it and decided, well, we could try something like that. The men removed old Donald's body from the coffin and weighed it down with tanning bark. After the church collected the coffin, the Irish pals took the body to Edinburgh University. There they met with renowned anatomist Robert Knox, who offered them the price of seven pounds for old Donald's corpse, which is about 610 pounds or 775 American dollars in modern money. So 775 bucks for Back Old Donald. Back then, would go a long way. Right. Uh, Burke and Hare were thanked for their generous contributions to medical science and told, please return, should you have another uh, subject for dissection on your hands. And of course, because it was such easy money, they decided to keep the scheme in their back pocket. In early 1828, another tenant of Hare's named Joseph was ill. And they decided, well... Pull the same scheme, except they didn't want to wait. Hmm. Yeah, Joseph, he may have gone naturally, he may have gone better, but they said, well, that could take ages. Yeah, that's going to take too long. Time is money. So they, Burke and Hare, Mm -hmm. they filled Joseph with whiskey and restrained him before covering his nose and mouth with a pillow until he suffocated. Mm -hmm. And that became their favorite method of killing, and even earned the disgusting name of Burking. Yeah. After pretty... William Burke. When I read that, I thought that was pretty gross. Yeah. Like, that's, that's become the slang term. When you suffocate someone, that's Burking. Burking. 
Woof. Yeah. And they preferred that manner because they're they're smart. They're good guys. They knew. That way the body's not damaged from bludgeoning, stabbing, right. strangulation. And the students can learn from a nice, clean, undamaged, pristine body rather than some sort of heat. So they're thoughtful. Awfully courteous they were. Joseph's body was also taken to Dr. Knox, who forked over a whopping 10 pounds, which translates to 1100 US dollars today. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, and again, back then, I mean, that would go a long way. Right. Ten, I mean, there were, I believe one of the, either Burke or Hare, whatever job they were doing on the canal, they would earn about a pound a week. Yes. So making 10 pounds in one shot, that's many weeks pay. Right. Soon, a traveling salesman booked a room at the boarding house, and unfortunately he fell ill with jaundice. Now, I don't think jaundice is... Fatal. Generally. Not... Maybe back then, maybe with... Well, and I think it, it has... under the time. Well, it has underlying causes. Mm -hmm. It's usually like liver damage or something. Yeah. Uh, that was all that Burke and Hare needed to hear. Oh, jaundice... Well, come here and have a drink. And they restrained him, suffocated him, transported him, sold him for another 10 pounds. So the money's stacking up and so are the bodies. Yeah. Sickly people staying at the boarding house wasn't actually common, though, and having three such people stay there back to back was a bit of a fluke. But that didn't keep the Williams from running their new business. Because next, an older woman named Abigail Simpson traveled to and from Edinburgh to sell salt as a retirement job. Well, they met her and invited her to the boarding house for a few drinks, and she was given a bit more than her fill before she was easily restrained and killed in the same way that Joseph and the salesman were. Hmm. Abigail was stuffed into a tea chest and carried off to the school. <clears throat> Ten pounds later, Burke, Hare, and Knox were all happy campers. And Knox even remarked, how fresh this body was. But he didn't ask, why is this body so fresh? I know. Because generally what he's getting is from body days. snatchers, from grave robbers. Well, yeah. So there's at least, you know, a couple days. That's true. That should have been a red flag. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, couple... he didn't mind. No, I know, but it should have been, <laughs> Yeah. this one's fresh, like it just happened. A reputable anatomist. Would have said, hey man, these gotta come from the graveyard. You can't I just know. bring me a person that just died. Right. Margaret Hare was kind enough to pitch in when she lured another elderly woman to the boarding house. So the wives are getting in on it. Yep. She was wined, dined, and suffocated, and Burke and Hare took the body to the university the following morning mm -hmm. and received another 10 pounds. And all this extra cash seemed to give Burke the impression he was. Something of a Casanova, if you will. Because now he's got some some money to throw around <laughs> to impress the ladies. And he's also the one that left his wife in Ireland. So he's got a... He's married. <laughs> but that didn't stop him before. <laughs> he met two women named Mary and Janet in April of 1828. He took the two ladies. By the way, they were prostitutes. Well, yeah. Why, I don't know why you're saying ladies. <laughs> of the night. Oh, right. For they drinks. were women. He took the working gals for drinks and eventually to his brother's house to keep the fun rolling. His brother wasn't home at the time and he, of course, didn't want to bring him, you know, home to the wife. Right. He 
kept pouring the drinks until Mary passed out at the table. Burke and Janet continued their, their casual chat until Burke's wife, Helen McDougal, came knocking. When she saw the scene before her, she accused Burke of having an affair, and the pair argued until Burke lobbed a glass at Helen, breaking it over her face, because he's a bit of a hothead. Mm-hmm. She ran, bleeding, to fetch Hare and Margaret, and soon all four of them were arguing over a passed-out Mary. Janet slipped away amid the commotion because she was a lady of class and wanted nothing to do with a married man. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. Eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> Burke and Hare forced their wives out of the room and locked them outside. They said, you know what? We can't deal with all the uh, anger over the infidelity. We just, let's set them aside. and You and me, we'll figure out a plan. They looked over all their lemons and decided to make some lemonade. Mary, passed out, was easily suffocated and stuffed in a tea chest and carried to Dr. Knox. He was informed, oh, this poor young lady here, man, she just, she drank herself to death just a little while ago. And eight pounds was the price for the uh, troubled young lady with the drinking problem. (laughs) But Helen McDougall kept the girl's petticoat and skirt as an apology for her husband's indiscretions. <laughs> so she was over it once he came. Hey, here's a few dollars. Here's a few that. pounds and some clothes. So just forget everything. That girl, she meant nothing to me. I already killed her and sold her body. Oh. Yeah. I don't think that'd be my reaction. No. <laughs> <laughs> you have so many questions. Uh I had a lot more words. <laughs> and papers. <laughs> and papers. Yeah, papers. Now, there may or may not have been infidelity there. We don't know how far the trio got before all the shouting. But that was the least of the problems for Burke and Hare, as they became increasingly careless. Before we tell you about that, we want to give you a good word from our friends at NIDA. If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code, BA2367. That's BA2367, and you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well. Later in the year, 1828, a woman named Haldane stayed at the Hare Lodge, and she just so happened to be served whiskey until she passed out. Hmm, like some others. She suffered the same fate as many other lodgers, and Burke and Hare had a bit more cash in pocket. Who would have guessed? Mm-hmm. Ms. Haldane's daughter arrived months later and also stayed in the boarding house. This time, Burke took it upon himself 
to get the woman drunk and suffocate her. He placed her in a tea chest, and he took her to Knox, where he received eight pounds without hair. Son of a gun. I knew he was a scoundrel. But cutting your partner out? Yeah. In May of 1828, Burke killed another elderly female lodger without hair, and this time he made ten pounds on his own. Hmm. So that's Burke with 18 pounds sans hair. Right. Keep that in mind. A local vagrant named Effie was lured by the prospect of booze into the boarding house stables. And once Burke got her good and drunk, he and Hare killed her, and she eventually fetched them ten pounds. Another drunk woman soon got the same treatment when Burke offered to walk her home. That one's extra awful. Yeah. She was actually being walked home by a constable, and Burke came up and went, Hey, here, I'll I'll take her home. I live right around the corner from her. Mm -hmm. And the constable went, Oh, that's fine. And then they killed Jeez. Yeah. Took her right off the officer's hands. You have a good night. And went and killed her. Mm. Uh, She ended up at the Hare residence as well. And Dr. Knox had another cadaver in short order. Mm. Next, an elderly woman and her grandson, who stayed at the boarding house, they fetched ten pounds each after, get this, the grandmother was drugged till she overdosed with painkillers mm-hmm. and the boy had his back broken over Hare's knee. I know. Woof. So they went from drunken suffocation to give Granny a bunch of drugs and we'll just and we'll just kill the just kid. Just brutally murder the kid yeah. violently. <clears throat> I know. That one made me sad. Yeah. Burke and Hare had a brief spat after Burke and Helen left town to visit family, and then they returned, finding Hare with some fancy new clothes while they were short on money. Hmm. So Burke and Helen had to tighten their belt, they pawned a few things, and they were short on cash. And that's despite Burke making 18 pounds right. on his own, without Hare. And then he comes back and sees Hare is living the high life, and he thinks, well, you must have uh, gone out on your own here. Even though that's exactly what, what he did. Burke had done. These guys are untrustworthy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Well, and Burke went to Dr. Knox and asked him, and he confirmed, Oh yeah, Hare came down here with a mm-hmm. woman's body and I gave him eight pounds. So he made eight on his own. Yeah. Burke made 18, and he's hassling Hare about it. Burke decided he would open his own boarding house because of this argument, just a few streets away. And by September of 1828, the boys were back at it, running separate boarding houses, but back to their old business. So they figured, well, we can fight or we can make money. Right. Uh, At Burke's boarding house, the washerwoman by the name of Ostler arrived to do the laundry, but she ended up getting laundered herself for eight pounds after the pair got her drunk and suffocated her, in the traditional fashion. Mm -hmm. Next, one of Helen's relatives, so nothing sacred, even family, her relative Anne stopped in for a stay and found out she could check in anytime she likes, but she could never leave. Mm. So goes the song. Yes. Do you know that's actually about Burke and Hare? No, it's not. But ten pounds was the price for Anne. And by this point, a few of the victims had been recognized by Dr. Knox's students, particularly the prostitutes. Yeah. They said, I know that girl. 
And Dr. Knox was quick to tell him, no, 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 that's, you're, you're mistaken. Don't yeah. worry. Big trouble came, though, when Burke and Hare set their sights on Daft Jamie, a local man named James, who was well known as a children's enter- entertainer and for his distinctive walk caused by his deformed feet. So the people mm. had lovingly called him Daft Jamie no. for his silly walk. But he was well known and liked. Yeah. Well, Daft Jamie was lured to the Hare boarding house to have a nice beverage with Burke and Hare. And with a bit of whiskey on board, the killers jumped on Jamie. But he wasn't as drunk as they expected, because Jamie was more of a chewing tobacco man than a whiskey man, so he didn't drink (laughs) quite as much as they thought. And so when they jumped on him, he actually put up quite the fight. Good. He was eventually overpowered and suffocated, but he did knock Burke and Hare around quite a bit. And so, black and blue, they took Jamie to Dr. Knox and Dr. Knox's students, of course, recognized Jamie and of his, they would. his distinctive feet. Yeah, he's like a local celebrity. Yeah. And he's got the clear deformity that right. everyone knows. So that's not going to be, a, you know, that's not going to be a secret. And they're yeah. going to think, well, what happened to him? Yeah. But Dr. Knox insisted that wasn't the case. And prior to Jamie's dissection, the very, very next day, his cadaver was rolled in with the head and feet removed. For no particular reason. This is just some guy, don't worry. Mm. His identifiers are awful. Taken off, but yeah. I swear it's not that Jamie guy. He's still around, you'll just never see him again. As suspicions grew about how these two guys were obtaining the bodies of people who weren't known to have actually died, they were still interested in making some cash. I'm surprised it took them that long. Yeah, this Everything here happens from November of 1827 to November of 1828. And so it took quite them... a few people they racked up. Well, yeah, that's my point. Is it took them a long time, society, I guess, to say, hey, we know these people. I don't think they were sick. And I'm sure other cadavers have been recognized. Yeah. It's like, oh, that was, you know, old Mr. Whatever. Right. Word got around town that he died in his sleep yesterday. Right. So it's no surprise when a grave robber or body snatcher right. brings that guy here but now they're seeing people like dude i just saw him this morning yeah <clears throat> how is this possible now on halloween night fitting 1828 mm-hmm. burke Hare, helen and margaret found themselves drinking with a woman named margaret doherty at the burke residence doherty had been lured there because she was irish and therefore must be related to burke's mother which is what he told her <laughs> Oh, Doherty. Yeah, I've got a few of them. By the end of the evening, Doherty had been killed, her body placed in a pile of straw near one of the beds in the boarding house. And the trouble came when Anne and James Gray, tenants of Burke's, returned the next morning to collect their things. Hmm. When they arrived the night before to stay, they were told, oh, this Doherty lady, she's a family member, so we were kind of going to have a private, closed-off evening but you can stay at the Hare's place right up the road. In fact, we'll cover your room and board there. So they had taken off, and they showed up to Burke's to get the rest of their stuff. And they were a bit suspicious when they were told, no, 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 don't don't go near that bed. Well, that's where all our stuff is. Yeah, no, don't. Just stay away from that one. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. They later returned to the house when it was unoccupied, and they found Doherty's body 
The Greys ran to the police, who arrived, found Doherty's clothes under the bed, but no Doherty. They questioned Burke and McDougal, who gave conflicting stories about the woman's stay and her time of checkout. Police then headed to the university to make sure Doherty hadn't been killed and sold for dissection, and wouldn't you know it, there she was. Burke, Hare, Helen, and Margaret were all arrested. Knox was questioned, and he stated, well, I figured the bodies were purchased from some of the poor lodgings around town before they were claimed by family members, and then Burke and Hare, who purchased them, then resold them to me at the university. And though unethical, Knox hadn't actually broken any laws. Which, if the purchase of an unlawful corpse that is not like illegal... I know, since it seems like that's breaking the law. We don't have a law against that. And how stupid of them, you know, to dispose of everybody so quickly and then just right there sell it. Right. And we talked about bodies were transported and stored in whiskey barrels to mask the right. smell. Apparently that's what Knox did a lot of times. Some of these mm-hmm. people, he'd purchase them too fresh many. and then put them in a yeah. whiskey barrel at the university until whatever They're time ready. he needed them. Uh, he was said to, well, he boasted that his classes were the best because he would perform two live dissections a day on fresh subjects. Two a day? Two a day? Well, it's because he's getting them illegally. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's apparently making enough that he can purchase them for $1,100 a pop. Mm-hmm. But he didn't break the law. True. Hare was chosen for questioning and offered immunity if he provided evidence against the others, and his wife would be spared as well because she couldn't testify against him and vice versa. So the attorney, or the, uh, I guess, lead prosecutor yeah who was going to do the questioning his strategy was to just pick one person out of the group see if they can get them to crack in exchange for immunity and then you can hang the other three out to dry but because they were married it was going to be two for two so he for whatever reason chose hair and that was apparently the right choice because hair sang like a canary confessing to 16 murders And the charges were formally brought against Burke for the murders of Doherty, Daft, Jamie, and Mary, the girl who drank herself to death. McDougal was found not guilty and eventually released. So that's Burke's wife. Yeah. She went to trial for the same, and it was found that, well, she didn't really play a part. When she was released, she was soon attacked by a mob who... She was escorted into a police station to get away from the mob, and the mob overtook the police station to try to get to her, but she narrowly escaped and left Edinburgh, never to be heard from again. Mm -hmm. So that was the end of her known history. Margaret also was released in accordance with Hare's immunity plea, and she was also set upon by an angry mob while awaiting a ship to Ireland. And she was held at a nearby police station until the ship arrived. This time the mob didn't overtake the police station. (laughs) She was escorted on board, headed towards Belfast, and never heard from again. So the wives vanished. Yeah. And they ain't the only ones. As Burke was hanged in late January of 1829 in front of thousands of spectators who paid good money for to to sit on scaffoldings and apartment windows 
anywhere they could to watch this happen because the Scottish people were incensed when they learned of all this. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to take a deceased person away from their family, right. but to kill people... For that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Really indefensible. Uh, on February 1st, his body, ironically, was dissected at Edinburgh University, not by Knox, by a different doctor there who was initially who they were going to see to sell old Donald to, yeah. but someone pointed them in the direction of Knox, and that's how this whole thing came about. Wow. So the doctor who had not been buying all the bodies performed the dissection, and guess what? A mob formed. And a riot ensued when only a limited number of students were allowed entry. Eventually, they got the crowd to calm down when the doctor said, All right, 50 of you at a time can walk through and see the body dissected. So they had to wait there all day, walking groups through like it's a tour. So they could see this horrible man dead and mutilated because that's what he deserved. So we have... No, the well, wives being released. He's not mutilated. Well, he's dissected. No, dissected, but in parts. Yeah, at least. I guess that's that was good enough for the people. Yeah. So both wives chased and hassled by mobs. Right. This guy dead. A mob forms to get at him. Yeah. Uh, the doctor also dipped a quill in Burke's blood and wrote in his documents, <clears throat> "This is written in the blood of W. M. Burke." who was hanged at Edinburgh. This blood was taken from his head. What a weird thing to do. I know, but I, I'm i guessing it was the mob cheering him on. He went, yeah. Yeah, I'm, probably. I gotta do something crazy. And speaking of crazy, according to legend, Burke's skin was used as leather to bind a book which is still on display at Edinburgh's Surgeon's Hall mm. Museum. I guess it's not confirmed if it's really his skin, but right. according to the display at the museum... It is. is. Huh. Yeah. So they treated him... They treated him like he treated the others. Yeah. Now that leaves us with Hare, who was released and placed on a mail coach in disguise, Mm. headed for the English border. He was eventually recognized, and of course, word spread that Hare is here, Mm. and a mob formed outside the hostel where he was staying overnight to continue his journey. So now we're four for four on the mobs. Right. Police used a coach as a decoy to draw the crowd away, acting as if he was on board that one, while they sent a second coach to pick him up. He climbed out the window of the hostel into the coach, and they placed him in the town's prison overnight for safekeeping. In the next morning, in the early morning hours, he was taken to a desolate road under sheriff's guard, and told to walk in the direction of England. And aside from rumors about what happened to him that have never been proven, William Hare was never heard from again. Mm. But due to the publicity of the case and the prevalence of copycats in London, killing and pretending they were just robbing graves, Mm -hmm. the UK Parliament passed the Anatomy Act of 1832, which authorized the dissection of unclaimed bodies in order to quell the body-snatching business. And as we heard in the last episode, that kind of became the norm Hmm. around the world. That if it's a John Doe unclaimed for so long, it can be used for science. Uh, And in closing, Scottish people are kind of intense. Hmm. So that's a lot of mobbing for... Yeah, they don't take things lightly. (laughs) They don't care if they're dead, 
found not guilty on the run. Get him! But, understandable. Yeah. 16 random and needless murders. Yeah, for for, nothing but money. money. Yeah. It was senseless. I think it would be, uh, doing the math, between 7 and 10 pounds per, somewhere in the range of like 15 to 18,000 total. Yeah, which in... Like, for the back time. then, mm-hmm. was a lot of money. Yeah, that's insane cash. Mm-hmm. But apparently, not enough for Burke, who yeah, blew it all and wanted more. Yeah. Terrible. Yep. But that is the story of Burke and Hare and their mm-hmm. uh, unsavory business. Yes, indeed. And the total of our coverage on body snatching. Yes. Hopefully... Permanently, because it just feels gross. It does feel a bit nasty. <laughs> and I don't know what's better. Digging up a, a person who's been peacefully laid to rest, and their family might never know the difference if they're removed from the coffin, or murdering someone and selling them I to a medical a college. Worse. Yeah. They're both icky. Yeah, it's I all, don't think. It's all bad. It's all bad. And none of it should have ever happened. No. But it is part of history. But that's why it makes me wonder, what are we doing today? Are there enough? Or does this kind of thing still happen in secret? Mm, I think there are. I've read a few articles that there are some, at least, well, we know, you know, organs and such. Yeah. But I've, I've read recently there's similar schemes like this, mm-hmm. which is pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. That's incredible that in 2023... People are still resorting to that. I mean, it seems like with technology, you could even make lifelike three D models. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, there's three D everything. Right. Yeah. I wonder how close three D printing mm-hmm. would be to creating a cadaver. That's what I was wondering. A an anatomically accurate cadaver. Yeah. I'm sure we're not more than a couple years from that Probably if it's not. not already happening. Seems and maybe like, that'll be the way. Seems like that would be the better way. Mm-hmm. Or at least you can get a lot more practice that way before operating on, you know, right. an actual cadaver. Right. Well, I'm sure that's just around the corner, and yeah. so is the next episode. So please join us next time on Crossing the Tape. Thank you for listening. Sign the crime scene log on your way out. I'm Hillary. I'm Brendan. See you next time.